I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Cherie Syfax is an executive by day, wife, entrepreneur, and witty host of the Leader and Lover podcast by night. As a mother, lover, and agent for change with a passion to showcase the magic of Black women and the beauty of Black love, Cherie seeks to demystify the stereotype that Black women can't have it all. Cherie now uses her words and wisdom to empower others to do the same. Her journey has led her to meeting and marrying her husband, Tracy, launching them further into purpose and inspiring the creation of Just the Facts. She's also the author of Second Act and has been seen on Essence, New York Times, Forbes, Oprah Magazine, and much more. So please welcome to the show, Cherie (laughs) Sidebacks. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talking to you, McKinney. You're just so amazing. So I'm happy to share this space with you. <laughs> I am so honored that you agreed to come on and share your story with us and your healing journey. I've had the pleasure of getting a little inside peek into your upcoming book, and I cannot wait for the listeners to hear more about your story and your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yes, that's a long <laughs> I turned <laughs> Three on Thursday, so I don't know when this will be um, aired, but January 26th was my 53rd birthday. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Happy and, belated. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, it's so interesting because so often my story came really more front forward in public when I got married. And women always asked, how did you meet your husband? And my answer was, I met myself first. Mm. And I believe so often we have so many things that come up for us as we are journeying in this thing called life. We come here, these perfect beings, the way God created us. And then all these things happen in life, whether we're the youngest child, whether we're the oldest child, whether our parents are divorced, whether, you know, we're the only black child in the school where all these things start kind of influencing us. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And because of those things and because of whatever we attach to it, whether they're positive or negative, whether they're traumatic or not, that starts to shift us. And and I realized that there were so many things in my growing up that influenced me, A, to play it safe, um, to have comfort. Those are good things, but they're not good things when it doesn't serve you. It's not good things when you're in a relationship too long. It's not good things when you're at work that doesn't fulfill you. So I had to take a step back and say, I have a good life, but I don't have an amazing life that I know I'm purposed to have. And what do I need to do and what steps do I need to take to get there? Mm -hmm. And that's really that self-realization. It was really looking at unfulfilled relationships, solid career, but still somewhat unfulfilling, amazing friendships, but knowing that there were times when I needed to be defensive or I needed to be competitive or I needed to be some of the things that I didn't love about myself. And so it really, really started there. I said, you know, I need to readjust a little bit Mm -hmm. and I want to be a better me. And I just started leaning into what that looked like. Everything from meditation and connecting with myself to actually getting a coach who helped me be more accountable and see life in a very different way than I'd seen it before. So Mm -hmm. that's really where my journey started. (laughs) Okay. So there's so much in what you said there, and maybe it's just me because I I love dissecting how the brain works. I love dissecting our evolution, our journey, all that stuff, but I heard so much in there. So I love that you say that you found you first because- I think, I don't know, maybe just young girls, because we, you know, we grew up with this fairy tale, this fantasy of wanting to get married and being a wife and a mom and all these things. And we're not necessarily taught to put ourselves first. And I found even in my early twenties, any conversation about putting yourself first, you were made to feel guilty. It's like, oh, that's selfish. You know, you shouldn't be. And when I started on my self-love journey, my elders, especially elders in the church, even the word self-love, they looked at it as egotistical or, you know, it, it had a negative connotation to it. But at the end of the day, we attract who we are, right? So when you work on yourself, you will attract what's in harmony with that. So I love that you started with that <laughs> when you talked about your story. And then, you know, you you broke down, you know, as based on your your upbringing and all those things. At the end of the day, we're all programmed. The results that we have right now are, are programming from our upbringing, from our childhood, from the environments that we were in and the people we were surrounded by, our guardians, our caregivers, stuff like that. So there comes a point where we have to ask ourselves the same thing that you asked yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, life is good, but it's not great. And we have to, instead of pointing the finger and playing the victim, saying, how can I hold myself accountable? What can I do differently? So you just started this whole conversation off on a great foot for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. Because even when you're talking about people in the church telling you self-love equates to selfishness, those are all those external, societal, Mm -hmm. um, communal, whatever those traditions are that then start impacting us and making us either play small play different, um, not um, being confident and fully stepping into who we truly are. And um, so that programming, to your point, is so influential. But we have to realize a lot of times where that programming comes from, it can come from people that have their own trauma, their own issues their own things, their own traditions that were good for them or that they haven't recognized. And we just have to, again, assess that and do different if we want to to get different. 
Yes. And and I love that you pointed that out as well, because I feel like, especially if you ever grew up in the church or certain environments, not just the church, but because that conditioning or that way of being or those, you know, morals or rules or what have you are instilled on you and you just accept that as what is instead of saying, okay, well, where did those beliefs come from? Like, it's very important, especially in this day and age for us and us women to ask ourselves, where do our values come from? Are they our values? Do they align with what we truly believe? You know, did they come from our parents' traumas, our parents' trauma responses? Did it come from growing up in an unhealthy community? Did it come from growing up in a community environment, whether it be a church or, or what have you, that doesn't necessarily belong to us? So when we ask ourselves those questions, then we can like really go after what it is that we really desire versus what we've been conditioned to believe is what we should be doing. Yeah, I really love that conversation around values because A, we do get to a place where a lot of times we aren't confident enough to like question authority, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be good or we want to be obedient or we want to be all these things. So we don't question our elders. We don't question our parents and things like that. And so the value system is almost thrust upon us, but we really don't know what it is because it's not ours. Mm -hmm. And so I also coach women because I tell them Tracy is a byproduct. Although I have an amazing husband and amazing marriage, he's a byproduct of, like you said, me attracting my person Mm -hmm. who was aligned and, and a version of myself. And I didn't get there until I figured out my own value system. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to get my master's um, at, a, at a, a, um, a holistic college where we did a lot of values assessments and value work. And my master's is in leadership. And they uh, the mantra is you can't lead people well if you don't even know who you are. Yeah. So we did a lot of values work and a values assessment. And I, and I do that same work with the women that are in my program because they're trying to date or attract love and don't even really know who they are, what their value system is, what they desire, what they want, how to communicate in a healthy way. So we have to just start with our foundation of who we are and then expand out into what does that mean as far as relationship and not only romantic. I tell people Mm -hmm. all the time, the work that I do with women is not about attracting your husband. That's beautiful if that's what you want, but it's about having so much self-love for yourself that you have a very healthy relationship with whatever season you're in, if that's married, if that's single, and also even in your work workspace, are you doing work that's passionate? Are you doing work that you love? Are you in a place where you're honored? So often Black women are not honored in spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's bigger than just attracting romantic love. It's finding love, exhibiting self-love, being that love and then attracting love in every aspect of your life. Yes. I I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours because you're just like, we're just vibrating on the same frequency right now. Like, (laughs) But like attracts like. Yes. And I I don't believe they're coincidences. Yes. And, 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 And when you are vibing and vibrating at the level that you're supposed to, the universe brings you other people that are on that same wavelength as you are. Yes, absolutely. You know, you said something about, I'm going back to beginning of what you said um, when you were talking a while ago about leadership. Mm -hmm. And I love that you pointed out the type of leadership because I had learned from my mentor, we can only lead as far as we've gone, right? You also spoke to like the importance of um, coaching and mentorship. 
um, you know, that you had to get a coach and you had to put in the work and do those things. I would love if you could speak to the importance of coaching and mentorship in your life. And also like you also mentioned, like you do that for a living as well. So like how you help your clients with that. Yeah. So for me, it was one thing for my girlfriends to tell me I was argumentative or it was one thing for uh, a relationship, a person to tell me I'm defensive and I don't listen. <laughs> it was a whole different thing to have someone that you're paying because you're investing in yourself because you want a different outcome that you're paying to affirm so many of those things, but not only affirm them, give you tools and resources to help you self-correct and mm-hmm. unlearn. And so mm-hmm. that's the important piece. That's where, you know, our friends have all the good intention, but they don't always have the tools. A coach who's someone who has, what you know, and I, whether they're certified or they've just been in the space for a long time or they have a passion for doing it and they've done a lot of research and things like that. I tell people all the time, be with people who you align with where you feel comfortable because in coaching, you have to have breakthroughs. In coaching, you have to be vulnerable. So someone can have a PhD in something, but if you're not vulnerable with them, then you may not get the the optimal. So that's what I am for, my, for the women that I work with. I have a master's in leadership. I use a lot of that work in my work, but then it's also about accountability. A lot of times I'm telling them something that their friends haven't told them or that other people have allowed them to get away with, or some people have have unfriended them and they don't know why. And I'm in their face about it. Um, I'm always asking why go deeper. Why? Why did you respond that way? Well, he didn't call me back. Okay. So a stranger who you don't know, who you haven't invested in, they haven't invested in you. You talked to him twice. He didn't call you back. Why are you attached to that? Help me Mm -hmm. understand how a stranger can impact you that way. Mm -hmm. You know, so just really, and then speaking to Black women in a way, because we have to hear we're worthy. So often we don't. You'd be Mm -hmm. surprised. I have had doctors, PhDs in my program and the lack of confidence Mm -hmm. and self-love in their personal space. Now they're confident in work and talking to clients and they've got that down pat. But when you talk about them on a personal level, the lack of confidence. So my experience with that, my research and understanding that, me being in a corporate environment for so long and understanding some of the challenges that we have, being a corporate executive, a professional person trying to date and and, and not allowing the man to lead, not resting in a space that allows him to show up as his best self, all those things I've experienced in these 50 years before I started doing this work with other women. And I'm able to share that real world, real time. I see it. And that combined with the academic foundation and then the experience that I have of love, it helps me put together a really comprehensive program that women have had aha moments and transformational um, experiences because I can see them and give them space in a very different way than so many other people can. So mm-hmm. I think I have a really good balance of the, the academic background, the personal experience, and the life I live currently is one they aspire to, their version of it, of course, and just really helping them walk through that. I love it. I love it. And you you spoke to, I guess, not only just like authenticity and, and being your authentic self, but you talked about with your clients, for example, when they have um, you know, friends that have unfriended them and you have to be real with them. And just, I guess that vulnerability piece, I, mm-hmm. I want to talk to that for some of the listeners, because 
you and I both know that when you are living your most authentic life, you know, some of your relationships will be put at jeopardy because people no longer align with you or resonate with, you know, where you're at. How have you navigated relationships um, around you as you've evolved? Ooh, that's a great question. The beautiful thing is for the most part, a lot of those relationships have gotten deeper. Mm. They were on the surface, but they've gotten deeper because now I'm so much more willing to have uncomfortable conversations of you hurt my feelings. And now I want to hear how I did that and what I could do. um, What could I have done differently to make them feel better while also being confident in myself that I don't have to defend. I need to listen and I need to make the decision if that relationship is still one that resonates with me. Mm -hmm. Because what I don't want is to always be walking on eggshells with people. I want people to know that I have a love for them. And just because I'm having um, an honest conversation, it's to be valued. And so I write fit relationships, relationships that were, that I thought were deep, I may no longer have, um, but I've also expanded my social circle and I have attracted new people. And so it's really that whole understanding myself, but then being vulnerable, it's really created more um, depth in the existing relationships that I have and a breadth of wider relationships. In my professional world, it's also helped where I think I could have, I used to be more cold and not one where people felt maybe completely comfortable around me. Now I am very much embraced in my professional, in my professional world, because Mm -hmm. I no longer have to feel like I need to prove to you why I'm here. I need to prove to you that I'm smart enough to be at this table with you. I'm so confident in myself that, and just and, and okay with being vulnerable. I'm in the medical device industry. So I can have those conversations and say, mm, if we price this, I see my grandmother who may not be able to afford this. Mm-hmm. I would have never shared like that in the past mm-hmm. for fear of some stereotypes and or not being able to relate to people. But being vulnerable in that way really guides me at work and it helps people see us in a different way than I think they normally do. And I feel that that is my responsibility as well. So just being vulnerable has helped me all the way around. And in the most and the best place has helped me with my husband. We are so we have such create such peace for each other and it's such so much security and being vulnerable that we just have a level of connection that is very different than I've had in any other relationship in my experience. And so that vulnerability on both of our sides just helps us be really, really um, connected to each other. Like I don't want to hurt him. And, mm-hmm. and there's a sensitivity and there's, you know, those are the things that, you know, are between the, I love you's, you know, it's the more, yeah. Um, it's the more important part. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I love the way that you have, as you've worked on yourself and you've built this relationship with your husband and you have this depth and the vulnerability and the communication, I would love if you could share with the women that are listening, um, maybe women who keep attracting the wrong type of guys or what have you, uh, because you've done the work on yourself, what's some advice that you would give to the women in terms of attracting yeah. for them? You know, it's that whole, you attract who you are. Old keys don't open new doors. And so I 
advise everyone to start with themselves and be honest with themselves. I had to be so honest. I had to look at relationships and be, be recognize what my part in the failure was. Far too often I hear women say, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And he strung me along and he did, he did, he did. It's all projecting outward. It's never, I knew that that relationship wasn't working and I held on for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not, I was afraid of being alone. It's not, I was afraid of what other people would say. I knew he was not the person for me. So I start with accountability first, looking in that mirror versus looking out the window mm-hmm. um, because you know, that old adage, it takes two to tangle. And it really does. As bad as he was, there was something that you either overlooked, didn't pay attention to, thought you could change, thought you could fix. There was some reason why you continued down a path that you knew was not a good one for you. Because what we do have is intuition. Mm -hmm. We do have discernment. God has given us so many characteristics in our femininity. And we know when someone's not, not right for us. And we overlook that. So I just say, start with self and being honest with yourself. Once Mm -hmm. you start there, then you can start doing the other things to help you um, get the experiences to to evolve in that. Mm -hmm. I I love that you talk about the accountability part, because I strongly believe that every experience is co-created. And as much as I've had my share of toxic relationships, now that I've dedicated to working on myself and healing, understanding my childhood wounds and childhood traumas that made me accept certain things or think that certain things were normal. So rather than 100% point the finger and say, you know, they did this, they did this, they did this, I can, whether it be 5%, 10%, 20%, what have you, I can accept my responsibility in that experience, instead of playing the victim and saying, you know, a hundred percent, oh, none of it was me, right? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was perfect. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe that, but <laughs> let's just be real. Yeah, and the other part is really once you do that, because you really start to know yourself. I remember I had an ex. I was with him for a long time. He was a lawyer. He was what I thought was the good relationship because of his education, his background, and what we were in the community and what we looked like on paper. And I talk about it in the book. And the reality was we we were better friends. Mm-hmm. I, we were, I, was, I was trying to force something because I had been a single parent and I thought his being with me validated me in some way. And, you know, those are some hard truths, mm-hmm. but they're re- real. And as a result, that relationship, there was a lot of infidelity. There was, you know, distrust. There was all this stuff that I just didn't have to, to even deal with if I had just loved myself enough, knew I was worthy, knew that his title, his education, none of that made him any better than me knowing that me as a single parent didn't make me less than. And so just dealing with, to your point, all that gook, all that trash, Mm -hmm. all that trauma, all that stuff that we have to um, resolve within ourselves before we can really go out into the world and, and bring in that partner that we will both elevate together with. Yeah, I agree. A thousand percent. Um, I I wanted to speak to online dating because I feel like, well, obviously as times have evolved and we're all into computers now, things have changed. And I remember back in the day, 
you know, there used to be a negative stigma with online dating and then it shifted. Maybe as I got older, but women around me were finding their husbands through online dating and, you know, they're been married for how many years now and have children and are doing wonderful. So if I read correctly, you met your husband online, correct? I did. Yes. Right. Okay. So <laughs> let's, let's give, I guess, the listeners a little bit of how you guys met and then speak to your views on online dating. So interesting. I'm from the Bay Area originally, home of Silicon Valley and all of the original online dating sites. And you're absolutely right. We felt people that went online were like, are you can't meet nobody in person? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, or you were dating desperately or just all the negative stigma. Um, you know, somebody come kill me as if you don't meet people in person that can kill you too. I mean, you know, just the fear that mm-hmm. we instill in ourselves that has something that was trying something new. Now I was always able to, I'd been in relationships and I was always able to meet people, you know, in real life. So I didn't have to be online, but that wonderful thing called the pandemic <laughs> um, shut us all down. Mm-hmm. And I had already started kind of on my journey of, I want a husband, What I was going to say to that last question, too, about um, what I would tell women, own what you want. Far too often, we try to downplay what we want because we don't know if we can have it and we don't want to fail. And so we say, oh, I don't care if I'm married or not. I care. I wanted to be married. I had decided I, I have beautiful friends with beautiful relationships and beautiful marriages And I wanted to be married. I am a great girlfriend, but I'm an amazing wife. And I know that I'm, that's what I'm destined for. That's what we're created for to to have partnership in that way. And so that was the first thing, just being intentional and putting it out there that, yes, I want to be married. And I would tell people and they would introduce me to people. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But the quality of dating had evolved for me because I have evolved. So when we went in the pandemic, I went ahead and went online. I tell people I'll talk, I, on the 2020 interview, I said, I'm in sales and marketing so I can sell and market myself. So that that is true. But I really believe you bring a mindset. I think you bring an energy. I think you bring positivity or negativity to the process. So if you're saying, I hate it on, I hate it on here, a man's going to be like, well, I don't want to talk to you. Or a toxic man may respond to that. Or if you're like, swipe left, because I don't want this and I don't want that. Don't talk about what you don't want. Talk about who you are, what you, you know, what you envision or whatever. Like the conversation, your words are so powerful as we know words become our world. And so that's how I went online. I was like, I'm from the Bay, but I live in the city of brotherly love. You know, I mean, I just really, Tracy says all the time, I presented in a way that men wanted to be in my life with me. Mm-hmm. And I had a plethora of men um, that I was able to engage with and had very, very positive experiences. So I just believe that the energy and the positivity, if you're like, there are no good men out of there. If you're like doing it because you feel you have to, it's an only choice, you know, anything negative about the dating process comes through that screen. So you have to be positive about the opportunity and you may not find your husband online. However, that is just an option that you have and it rounds out the dating experience. It gives you some options to practice with people. It gives you so many um, things. And so, you know, Tracy saw my profile and swiped on me and we talked (laughs) and it was very positive and we went from there. Um, I also tell women, don't let the first person cut your options off. 
Tracy was great, but I dated a few men until he really started showing me that he was um, worthy of me really investing in him. We are the prize. You know, we are what we bring to the relationship is the intangibles. You know, the man can build the house. We make it a home. He can give us the sperm. We make it a baby. He can, you know, like we can buy the food. We make it dinner. Like that there's something so powerful in women that we don't have to settle at the first man that gives us some attention. So that was another thing. I just um, was able to meet a lot of different people, had a lot of different great experiences. And so by the time Tracy and I really engaged with each other, I was much more confident in our conversation, in the way in which I interacted with him. And it just felt really good. So yeah, I would just say, just bring a very positive attitude to the online dating space. Because from what Tracy tells me too, and he's, you know, he's, he's, done some stuff with me online. I'm talking about relationships and I appreciate him for it. He says he can just through the words, he can, if you have trauma, he can, he can sense that. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't as evolved. He would bond with that, which was not good. And now that he's more evolved, he sees that and stays away from it. So there is something to the the mental um, approach and energetic approach to online dating. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And even not even just online dating, just online in general, you know, you you see on social media, you know, yeah. whether it be family or friends, you can tell like people who are just constantly negative or complaining online all the time or the type of energy that they put out there, or the words that they use or the things they choose to nitpick at. So I totally get it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah. Cross platforms. Yeah. And you, you spoke to just being clear and intentional. I think I hear way too often and not just black women, but women in general, um, especially if they're independent or successful in in other areas of their life, where they'll say stuff like, I don't need a man. I don't want a man. But at the end of the day, yes, there may be some that don't, but there are those that once they got clear or once they stopped putting up the front, they're like, yeah, I would love to be in a relationship. So it's getting clear. Okay, well, what what do you really want? Because when mm-hmm. you continue to focus on what you don't want, you're going to get more of what you don't want, right? Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that the intentionality piece, I think, is important. And um, when you spoke about, um, like, even online, you know, people that say that they, they don't like this or they don't like that. I think when it comes to relationships, make a list of what you do want and character mm-hmm. traits, not, you know, the physical stuff that you can't control, but like right. make a list of what you want, get clear about what you want. If that's what you're trying to attract. Absolutely. And be open. So often, I mean, and granted, my husband is successful now, but 10 years ago, I probably would not have dated my husband for a couple of reasons. One is I had this list <laughs> that was in the O Magazine. We talked, it was about put, me being in a box, partially because I was raised in a religious household, partially because of societal, um, what we believe societal demands, de- how it defines success. And so I wanted a man who had a college degree, you know, who worked certain industries and things like that. And I was dating those people, but I wasn't having success. I put that down and and got clear on my value system mm-hmm. and the character traits that I wanted a person to have and how I wanted a person to make me feel. And then I mean, you know, I attract my husband who was formerly incarcerated, although many, many years ago, but still formerly incarcerated, who does not have a higher education. 
Like he said, he was on a call the other day with some formerly incarcerated people saying, hey, I, you know, I barely, I got my diploma and didn't even know how to multi- my multiplication tables, but he's a contractor. He built our house. So think about how many multiple equations he had to do, you know, yeah. to do that. And so just getting out of my own head and way of what success in a man looked like and giving people the chance to just to us get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Just really get to know each other. I mean, entrepreneur was definitely not one of my things because you never know what that really means. But he was so sincere. He was so intentional himself. He had no problem sharing how he felt about me early. He was professing about me early. If he had scheduled a call, he was was on time. Um, he led in, in wanting to date me. He pursued me. I didn't, you know, I was never unclear. And I tell women, when you're unclear, that's probably not your guy. Yeah. Men have the ability to chase us and they, and they pursue us. And so he was just clear from the beginning. And I'm so happy that I got rid of that superficial list. And I put a real you know, a real list together, what he is in the community. Cause all those guys that were lawyers and successful businessmen, they can't shake a stick at my husband and what he does in the community, how um, he was Obama, um, President Obama champion of change for all the work that he does for making sure that formerly incarcerated people have economic opportunities through work. So Mm -hmm. he worked on legislation to ban the box. He worked on legislation for companies to hire people that have come home um, and re-entering society. He He teaches entrepreneurship to those who are on their way home. So he goes into prisons and teaches that and he hires. So you know, some of the guys that I was dating wouldn't even sniff at someone formerly incarcerated, mm-hmm. you know, because they're too beneath them. And so it was those parts of his character, that empathy, that care that drew me so into him that I knew together, no matter what his financial situation was, although he's stable, but I knew together we could just build so much. And we have. Yeah. So. You know, it's just that character and the trust and and all the things that I just never had before from gentlemen that checked the boxes, the superficial boxes. Yeah, I love that. Um, You know, it makes me think of, um, I saw something, yeah, I believe it was yesterday, where it was talking about character over reputation. Because, you know, you're talking about the lawyers and, and all that stuff. And it's like, your character is so important. Some people are so focused on their reputation when they should be more focused on their character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love lawyers, so don't and I and I work with <laughs> no shade, but I don't I I know and I've been around women where we again society has defined for us what a, a successful man looks like. Mm-hmm. And you know, ask Dolly Parton, I think her husband is some truck or was like I think he he's probably retired by now. Yeah. But you know, just a guy, a regular guy that must love her because they've been married yeah. forever. And so, you know, those are the things that, you know, I want women to think about too, because you may be excluding a whole group of people, a men that could love you dearly. And I used to think with my work schedule and my responsibilities that I didn't have capacity to build or grow, but having Tracy's love um, so deeply, I not only have the work that I do at work, I have a coaching program now, I've written a book. We're buying a restaurant together. Like, and and I never feel depleted like I did yeah. before because mm-hmm. of how we have the energetic recipro- reciprocity. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell the people where they can stay connected with you, where they can learn more from you, where they can buy the book, where they can listen to the podcast. Yes. So um, you can find me mostly, Google Cherie Syphax, S-Y-P-H-A-X. On Instagram, we are Just Facts, J-U-S-T-P-H-A-X. My website is www.justthefacts.com again, phax.com and, or to get second act, just sharing my whole journey and, and all the roads I took to get here, the things I wish someone had told me, the lessons I learned, the, the safe place to say, Ooh, I had that experience too. Um, you can go to www.secondactbook.com. So Sheree, Tracy, Syfax, we are out there in the universe. Easy, to, oh, easy to find. <laughs> Perfect. I will definitely have all your links in the detailed section below the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly so they won't have to search too far. Perfect. So for the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire. You can answer one word, one sentence. I'm not really one for rules. I don't like to live inside of a box. So if you choose to (laughs) expand on your response, feel free to do so. Okay. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Meditate. Love it. What's the last thing you do at night before you go to sleep? Kiss my husband. (laughs) Uh, Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Ooh, there have been a few. I don't know why, but the coldest winter ever. (laughs) Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? I've been journeying for a little longer than five years, but overall, I am worthy. I live an abundant life, and I deserve everything that is waiting for me. When was the last time you apologized to someone? Yesterday. When was the last time you cried? Probably a couple of days ago. The Tyree situation mm-hmm. yeah. uh, has had me full of this emotion, emotion. of such yeah. injustice in our country. Yeah. Totally understand. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, love, wealth, abundance, and just the example. You know, there's just so much conversation around the toxicity and the dysfunction in the African-American community. And Tracy and I just try to demystify that, um, take the legs out of that. We have amazing friends that have amazing marriages. We have amazing friends that are single, but are committed to our communities. You know, urban areas have the same issues as poor white areas. And it's just because this country was so built on us needing to be inferior and less than, even though we built it and it and, and its riches come from our backs. Um, and so because of that, there's just a systemic foundation that does not remind us of how amazing we are as Black people. And so we, we travel to Africa. We, we really showcase what being Black, successful, in love, um, healthy friendships, healthy networks, what that looks like. And so I do, I want that to be my legacy. I love it. I love it. What's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Best advice I ever received probably was, my mom was like, you better marry him. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? And loving on themselves and taking time for themselves. We have that cape on. We are everybody's mother, auntie, grandma, wife, 
sister friend and we're there for everyone. We just have to be there for ourselves. Yeah. Um, I know we, I think we're evolving and we're doing a better job at that, but you know, it's okay to be um, a baddie in the boardroom, but just taking care of ourselves. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Sheree, for your time, your energy, your wisdom, your transparency. You <laughs> I truly, so truly appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you too. I have just enjoyed this. I feel all tingly inside. I love having these conversations with people who um, were so aligned in, in, in the thought process. So it just um, makes for really, really great, great time spent. So I appreciate you too. Thank you for trusting me on your platform with your listeners and let me know if there's anything else I can do. Yeah, well, my listeners need to go out. And by the time this episode comes out, the book should be out. So go out and grab a second act, uh, Living Boldly and Abundantly at Every Age by Cherie Syfax. And you. Um, make sure, you know, you guys not only, you know, take a picture, post it on social and tag her, but I would love if you could also screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Cherie at Just Facts. That's J U S T. P-H-A-X, and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show globally rank in the top 1.5%. And there's over 3 million podcasts out there now. So thank you. That's <laughs> thank awesome. You, thank you. Right? That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I want to challenge the listeners to also share this episode with at least three women that need to hear what Sheree has to say because... She drops so many gems. I just want to make sure that the word gets out there. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal 